whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hi, Dan here from Increased Capacity. Just want to put this out there before the show starts. Uh, whether it was human error or technical error, we're not sure. My parts were very low when I listened back to the recording, and I did my best. I'm not a professional, but I did my best with the audio equipment I have to uh, amplify my voice. Uh, most people tell me I have to do that anyway. So I tried to do the best I could, but I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. We're going to open it up here with Giraffe Squad, Wait For Me. capacity. This is the show that is all about beauty, truth, and goodness. This is episode two, and I'm Jesse. I'm with Dan. It is, wow, May 15th, 2017. We're broadcasting out of WXPI Community Radio out of Williamsport, and holy crap, episode two, man. Episode two, we're... we're, we're we've arrived <laughs> yeah man this is this is official now so yeah and, and i first i want to apologize for my voice tonight i'm getting over a cold so i sound a yeah. little bit different it was it was good that this didn't happen on the show on the first show because then you get used to my voice like this you're like dad just doesn't sound like himself it sounds way way more sexy oh thank you thank you <laughs> yeah oh yeah there's some kind of there's some kind of throat thing going around because yeah. my spouse uh, natalie has a has it too and she was she we were having a she was joking around and she was and she was making the uh the, the deep throat deep throaty sound it was yeah. great <laughs> it's always fun i always get my uh not not so much now but i can get like this really good radio announcer voice going when yeah it's, when it's really sore i was worried about that because doing a radio show because i, I sort of have like a nasally high like higher voice for yeah. a guy i think i don't know it's i mean it's not it's not like the typical radio voice. You yeah, know? yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like, like my mom's even said this before. She said that sometimes when I'm really down, I, I sound like Ray Romano or something. Nice. Like that. And uh, I'm like, oh, ma. You know. <laughs> yes. That was probably, I, I do a much better impression when my throat's not scratchy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I, I kind of land in that, I feel like I land in that Ray Romano, somewhere between Ray Romano, George Lucas. Yeah. You know, I made a movie called Star Wars and I sold it. So, um, <laughs> And that, that was horrible too, <laughs> you know. Somewhere maybe a little Kermit the Frog. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do that right now. Yeah, I, th- I feel like I'm a little Kermit the Frogish. Yeah, I don't know. No, you don't think? I, I know that. Man, speaking of voices, I, I I saw this documentary about hip hop one time, and like in in hip hop, you have to, or rap, you have to have like a like a distinct voice. And uh, I remember seeing there was a part with um, with Cypress Hill. Mm-hmm. from california the rap group from california from like the 90s um and there the, the one rapper his name was be real on there and he had this like distinctive high-pitched like whiny yeah. kind of voice like insane in the membrane oh, yeah, yeah. that guy yeah. yeah um he uh the the dj dj mugs from cypress hill came to him at one time when they were just starting and he didn't he didn't always use that voice right and uh dj mugs told him like you got to do something about your voice or else 
uh, send send dog is gonna rap, rap your raps for you. Okay. Because <laughs> be real, like he was a good writer. Like he he was able to write like really yeah, cool yeah. rhymes. Um, but yeah, his voice wasn't working. So that's when he developed that high pitched like nasally okay. <laughs> rap voice. Oh. <laughs> oh, we have a guest, by the way. Yeah, we do. And his name is Benny. That's right. Hey, Benny. How's it going, dude? Good. Good. Did you bring the Jets? Benny and the Jets. <laughs> Benny lives in the same house, and uh, he lives next door to me in the same room. He's he's our roommate. He's our five-year-old, <laughs> and he wanted to come and say hi. Yep, 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 yep. That's why I came here. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for saying hi, Benny. Boom. Anyway, <laughs> Benny will come back again. He'll come back again. We're going to have a, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, well. Yeah, so we're back with the second show, and let's just talk about um, kind of what the show's about. Yeah. Um, our last show was fun. It was our first, sort of, my first endeavor into a talk show type format. Um, not u- not used to it. The last, um, I, I, I had done a podcast previously, and it was, um, it was scripted. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't freestyle, it wasn't improv. Um, they're... I, I've come to realize since our last show that <laughs> we're learning as we go, but I've realized yeah. that it takes more preparation than I thought it was going to take. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, last week, I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to have been. We also weren't expecting to be thrown on live. Yeah, yeah, we were thrown live, too. Kind of, uh, the, in the back of our mind. I was a little nervous. Time. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the show a little bit. Um, the title is, of the show is Increased Capacity, and that title comes from, it's a play off of uh, a concept that uh, from one of my uh, favorite philosophers, Alfred North Whitehead, and he he defines he's a very cool sort of uh, interesting definition of of evolution. It's a it's kind of consciousness centric. Um, he describes evolution as the increase in the capacity to appreciate what is intrinsically valuable. And so, with that in mind, that our show has three segments, and they are called beauty, truth, and goodness, and. Um, those three segments, they, they correspond, um, so some people may, may be familiar with them, uh, they're, they're very famous, uh, they're known sometimes, those three values are known as the, the golden braid, um, or the transcendentals, um, known throughout the world, uh, thinkers since antiquity have talked about them. Plato famously talked about beauty, truth, and goodness as being the transcendental ideals that humans have strived toward. Um, even in the East, uh, thinkers have, have talked about these three things. Uh, in the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament, um, famously, G- Jesus talks about uh, uh, heart, soul, and mind. These correspond to beauty, truth, and goodness. So that's the goal with the show. We want to, each week, talk about something that we find to be beautiful, something to be true, and something to be good. Um, We want to increase each other's capacity to appreciate greater sort of uh, depths and octaves of these three things. And that's what we're trying to do. And, And hopefully the listeners can come along on this adventure with us, and this hopefully by by us sort of exploring new ideas, new thinkers, new, uh, you know, like concepts, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, people will, uh, will, will clear away for you know, new zesty experiences to happen. Right. That's, that's the goal, goal of the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, um, 
uh, our podcast currently is a bi-weekly show. Um, and so we're, we're going to do a bunch of fun stuff on the show. Uh, hopefully have some guests on. Yeah. And it, it, these three segments were, they're, uh, they're loose enough. We wanted them to be loose enough and fun enough to, to be able to spark some conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, but to be, but also to be uh, flexible enough to, to be playful and fun. Yeah. Before we get into to our, our segments, introduce ourselves a little bit um, for, for new listeners. Um, my name is Jesse, uh, and I, I, we, I live in Williamsport. I've been a uh, resident of Williamsport for quite a while. Um, boy, since, since college, I think since, wow, 19, 19, 19, since the 1900s. <laughs> 1900s and 90-somethings. Yeah. So long ago. <laughs> yeah, it was so long ago. Yeah, I can't believe it. Um, but yeah, I went to Penn College. And uh, studied uh, printing and publishing and graphic design there. Um, moved, m- I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, uh, the Poconos, and I went to high school there uh, in, in that area. But yeah, moved to Williamsport. Um, my parents kind of split up early, but um, my dad lived in Williamsport, so got to attend Penn College here, and um, and it was cool. Uh, met my my spouse Natalie here. Um, she was also a design student, and so we, we were met in college. And, uh, yeah, we've been here ever since, uh, aside from a brief stint that I, 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 wore, I lived in New Jersey for about a year and a half, but other than that, I've been living in Williamsport and it's been, you know, it's become home, a uh, great community here and happy to be part of this community radio station. My, my day job, my gig, um, where I make the paper dough is, uh, I work as a designer, web designer, graphic designer. I do freelance work, but I also have a, have a day gig at a, at a, a small liberal arts school, um, but, uh, you know, my free time, uh, I enjoy reading a lot primarily, um, but I'm also family kind of guy, family oriented, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, uh, and so when I'm not spending time with family, reading books, playing Legos, going on walks, doing stuff like that, um, I'm reading, reading books, mostly nonfiction, but I, I enjoy fiction, uh, philosophy, theology, poetry. I enjoy writing. Um, and, uh, yeah, creating, creating art, that sort of thing. So, um, that's a little bit about me, Dan, take it away. Um, just like, you know, last time I said, I'm originally from Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania. I didn't move to the Williamsport area until my, uh, I was about 30 actually when I had, uh, moved in the house my wife was renting. So, uh, and we've moved around a bit since then, all staying in the Williamsport, South Williamsport area. Uh, we're actually in Loyal Sock now. It's been great. And, and just like you, Jesse, I lived in New Jersey for about a year. Cool. Um, that's way back when I was 10, though. Back in the day, baby. Back in the day, yeah. Yeah, the part of New Jersey that I lived in was um, South Jersey, so near yeah. Philly. Um, and, but, and it was, it was kind of nice. It was, uh, was kind of rural, but rural in this. So it reminded me of around here. We're in central PA. Um, because so for those who don't know, this, this, this show will also be archived and podcasted, yeah. so there won't be just local listeners. But um, we live in central Pennsylvania, and it's very rural. Um, we live in Williamsport, which is like the biggest city, uh, ne- I guess the biggest city in central PA, probably. Yeah, yeah I guess so. What's the next biggest I mean, city? Harrisburg. Pittsburgh. Harrisburg, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, but South Jersey is interesting because it's just a bunch of little, this is one little town after the next yeah. until you get to like Philly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, then it, and then Philly's huge, but um, but yeah, I, I worked right outside of Philly, so okay, yeah, cool. but yeah, so cool. <clears throat> um, so what's any updates? Any other updates, man? What's been how's the, with the week going so far? Um, yeah, interesting with um, 
the storm a couple weeks ago. It was uh, it was actually on uh, the night that our show, our first show, was supposed to premiere, and uh, we got preempted by yeah, Mother right. Nature. So, <laughs> and Dude. we we you know we hope that you know everyone out there is okay. Yeah. Um, after that hit, tornado. Hope it didn't you know greatly affect anybody in a bad way. Um, no. I was actually uh, picking up my stepson from his grandmother's uh, right when it started coming down. Yeah. And uh, she lived out Old Lake Cumming Township area for the local people that know. Um, and so we're driving back towards <laughs> Loyal Sock, and I usually take a back way through, uh, yeah. I think it's Wildwood Boulevard. Uh-huh. We went up past the cemetery over the hill. There's a tree down right in the middle of the road. We couldn't go any further, so insane. I didn't turn around, um, you know, just went down the other way, and we were just there were trees down <laughs> left and right on down on High Street. We were just kind of weaving in and out, mm-hmm. trying to avoid the other traffic. It was kind of exciting. It reminds me of like Paperboy, yeah, the video exactly. game from the NES video game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're just you know dodging debris and everything, yeah, and it's uh, crazy. I, yeah, I actually ended up picking up a branch got stuck under my car and I was dragging it for a while and it finally like snapped off and wow but yeah it was it was exciting I mean I was kind of um kind of scared for the because I had two kids in the car yeah. two young kids and sure so um but I got them home safe <laughs> yeah that was good so yeah we, we have had some unseasonably sort of weird weather very strange um yeah. this spring's been spring's been nice it's been cool yeah but really rainy for us um yeah. and we had this recently we had these really extreme storms come through and uh williamsport had like five tornadoes touch down mm. <laughs> so that so that was weird um but yeah so glad yeah i had some we had some house damage nothing crazy but um yeah, yeah we did too a couple totally of things weird. came off the house but nothing that can't be slapped back on yeah cool um yeah, that's that's always scary. Yeah, storms. Ugh. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, I'm glad we don't live like in, you know, Kansas. Kansas. I, uh, <laughs> seriously, I man, of... Dorothy. Yeah, <laughs> Toto. Right. Um, but yeah, like, but being close to like, I mean, this makes me think of climate change. You know, like uh, being close to to, to the coast, uh, I would, I'd be seriously freaking out. Yeah, but, it, it's hard to know like where where in the world really can you live where some natural disaster of some yeah. type isn't going to yeah. you know, come up on you at some point? It, that's one reason I, mean, I, I was thinking, I always think like central Pennsylvania is kind of like cloistered, you know, yeah. enough to be safe from most natural disasters. Yeah. But I mean, to be honest, it's not the probably, case, not the case anymore. That's probably the worst thing we've seen in a yeah. long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, probably the worst thing I've ever seen as far as the storm goes. Yeah, really? Yeah. We yeah. were, we were at Moe's getting burritos Where when the storm hit <laughs> yep oh. we were, at least we had food nearby yeah it's good <laughs> yep cool well let's um let's get into the format all right let's do it beauty this is the beauty section and dan do you want to go first this is this is i mean maybe we should tell them what the beauty section is yeah go ahead and explain a little bit. okay so um this is the section that. So if we were studying philosophy, this would be about aesthetics. It would be about, like, issues of subjective taste, right? So art uh, could be anything. It could be visual art. Um, but we're keeping it, like we said at the top, we're, we're keeping it loose. This category is really just about subjective taste. 
stuff we like. We're not going to try to analyze things. We, we, we want to, um, you know, essentially just, just, just get people up on stuff that we're enjoying. Um, it may be maybe contemporary stuff maybe things that people may have heard of, may not have heard of. It could, yeah. could be things from years past that, yeah. you know, we just love and we want to talk about. So with that in mind, you're up, man. All right. Well, um, when I graduated from high school, my uh, grandmother bought me this little book. Uh, it's called God's Little Devotional for Graduates. Um, and it's just a collection of short readings. And uh, the one that stood out to me the most I'm going to read tonight. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and share it here. Um, it says, according to an old legend, two monks named Tanzan and Ikido were traveling together down a muddy road one day. Heavy monsoon rains had saturated the area, and they were grateful for a few moments of sunshine to make their journey. Before long, they came around a bend and encountered a lovely girl in a silk kimono. She looked extremely forlorn as she stared at the muddy road before her. At once, Tanzan responded to her plight. Come here, girl, he said. Then, lifting her in his arms, he carried her over the slippery ooze and set her down on the other side of the road. Ikido didn't speak again to Tanzan. It was apparent to Tanzan that something was bothering him deeply, but try as he would, he couldn't get Ikido to talk to him. Then, that night, after they reached their intended lodging, Ikido could no longer restrain his anger and disappointment. We monks don't go near females, he said to Tanzan in an accusing voice. We especially don't go near young and lovely maidens. It is dangerous. Why did you do that? I left the girl back there, Ikido, replied Tanzan. And then he asked the key question, are you still carrying her? So yeah, it was a, I was, that's the one that stands out to me the most. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's... One thing it's kind of hinting at, it could be hinting at a lot of things, yeah. but the one thing I kind of get out of it is, you know, don't don't hold it on to grudges, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, that's really all I have for that. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add. That's a beautiful story, man. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, that's that's cool, very succinct. Um, I think, yeah, I think that message is pretty clear. Yeah, don't hold on to grudges, but, um, yeah, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, lovely. Um, very, uh, yeah, very pithy. Um yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I think it's, I think it's pretty pretty cool. I love um, short little, uh, like parables like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a big Jesus fan, so right. that's no that shouldn't be a surprise. But um, yeah, for a while I was writing my own sort of stories like that, yeah. um, and I was trying to do like, um, I think stories can, they really can, they can really like teach us so many things. They have they have that's that's one cool thing about like parables and right. and and. and stories that have like layers and layers of metaphors um they have layers and layers of meaning you know yeah. picasso said i think yeah picasso once said something like uh good art isn't good unless it has 10 10 meanings at least 10 meanings um and so that's why that's why that's one reason i think that the bible for instance you know a book like the bible has like infinite in infinitesimal you know sort of meaning yeah. just it's just layer upon layer of of uh deep rich meaning right, like you can right. interpret it so many different ways um yeah i think another thing this this story included along with the parables is mm-hmm. you know it teaches us to mm-hmm. not to be too dogmatic as well you know 
Yeah, I always think whenever I think about that, I always think there's kind of like two two real ways that you can hold truth. One one way is um is real real tight. You know, you can kind of ball it up. Like and 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 you think about you think about babies that way. Like when babies are first born, their um their hands are like sort of fists. Yeah. You know. But as but as we get older and and when we're you know especially when we're like when we're you know sort of more advanced in age, um, our hands become open right. and we're able to let go and hold on to truth lightly. Um, uh, yeah, because that's the, that's that's the hard part about being too dogmatic and holding on to truth too tightly. Yeah, you end up like uh, scrunching up the truth. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to yeah, scrunch yeah. the truth. You know what I mean? What, what are the uh, <laughs> and your fingerprints get all over it? Yeah, it's all sticky. One of the funniest uh, bumper stickers I saw I was when I was a kid. I didn't understand it at the time, but it, it said, my karma ran over your dogma. Nice. That's funny. <laughs> I like it. I look back on it now. I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I prefer, yeah, definitely. Hold on to truth lightly, you know, with, a, with an open hand. Um, that way it gives you, you, get, you, get, you give the truth lots of nice sunlight and it can grow, yeah. right? Like a little plant. And then even even better, if you hold it lightly with an open hand, um, some wind may come and blow the seeds around, and then that truth prospers right. and grows in other places, and other people can can share in it. Cool. Yeah. So, awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for yeah, sharing that. Yeah. What do you have for us? Yeah. So my my, my beauty pick. Okay. Um, last week I did I did a TV show. I'm not always going to do TV shows, but this time I am doing another TV show. Um, it's one that I've been thoroughly enjoying and it is the get down on netflix the show is so cool i seriously love it i don't know if you do are you familiar with it i haven't it, even heard of this one okay okay so it's, it's called the get down um essentially it, it's it's a musical drama that um tells a fictionalized story uh about the beginning of hip-hop so it's it's a truthful story but it's fiction fictionalized right, right. so it, it's um like a parable well, sort of, yeah, kind of. I mean, kinda. Well, I mean it's, it's, uh, it has fictional fiction characters. That yeah. Exposes truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah sort of. Yeah, so the, the series was created by Baz Luhrmann. Do you know him? You ever heard of him? No, I haven't. He, um, he did Moulin Rouge, okay. um, which, which people who like that movie, they'll, they'll see hints of that in this show. Okay. Um, so it's a very musical, right? Um, but he did The Great Gatsby with DiCaprio. Yeah. Uh, and that movie Australia, which I never saw, never but it was like a one. big epic sort of movie with um, Hugh Jackman. And Nicole yeah. Kidman. The show takes place in the late 70s in the South Bronx, uh, New York City, which is the birthplace of hip-hop. And it sort of follows a group of teenagers who are getting into the uh, this sort of new music that is sprouting up at, at different dance, dance clubs. Uh, or parties, really. Parties around the city. Um, the show, I would sum it up as a colorful ode to New York at Disco's Peak and Hip-Hop's Birth. Um, I love hip hop. I grew up sort of, I didn't grow up listening, but as a teenager, loved, loved hip hop, like mid, like early nineties. Right. Um, a lot of people call it, called it like the, uh, the golden age of hip hop. Yeah. So after, I mean, people call the, people call the eighties the, the golden age too, but like hip hop really, it took on a different form in the nineties. So I mean, you, you get like, a lot of like the backpack rap coming out, like, um, and uh, people like Nas coming in. Who Nas, by the way, is works on the show. He he writes okay. a lot of the a lot of the rhymes on the show that the, yeah. that the rappers do. Um, uh, the, the the thing that I love about the show, one thing I love about it, is that it does a great job at trying to recreate New York at that time, like the seventies. Um, so, and, and I love like any movie that does that or any show that does that. Like 
makes the show makes the city like really gives you a feel of the city or the surrounding the setting um and this show does that for me i love seeing the streets i love seeing like just footage of people walking in the city and engaging with the surroundings of the environment um they even like incorporate real footage of like new york from the 70s i think that's pretty cool uh so the, the the historical aspect of the show alone is remarkable in my opinion um I honestly didn't know how bad of shape the Bronx were in at that time. So this is, this is cool, this kind of historical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've always heard about the phrase, the Bronx is burning. I've always heard that phrase, but I never really like, understood that it was literally burning at that time. Right. So there, I guess apparently there were, in this footage they intersperse throughout the show, they show like, you know, apartment tenants crumbling, like just rubble everywhere okay. and smoke billowing out of these wow. apartment buildings. It's crazy. I mean, it looks like a bomb, like bombs went off. Um, but, you know, apparently, uh, uh, I guess one of the narratives about that is that the, uh, a lot of the fires were, were due to arson. Um, that The arson fires that were set by slumlords, you know, looking for mm-hmm. insurance money. Insurance money, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, so one of the main characters uh, of the show is a poet named Ezekiel, and he's played by Justice Smith. Um, who's awesome. He does a great job, I think. He eventually hooks up with uh, a street kid named Curtis, and he goes by by the name Shaolin Fantastic. <laughs> and so he becomes like the DJ, but he starts off, he's like a, he's like a B-boy, and he's, he's, he's a dancer, and he's a graffiti artist. Um, it's cool. It kind of brings in the, like the four pillars of hip-hop, right? So graffiti, B-boy, uh, hip-hop, or rap, rapping, MCing, and DJ. So like the four pillars. Nice. Um, and it goes all the show goes all through that. Um, so the show's fun, especially for hip hop fans. I love it. Um, it, uh, it, it name drops like real hip hop crews that were around back then. Um, so for instance, like Shaolin Fantastic, his, his mentor is Grandmaster Flash. Um, and the actor that plays him is cool. I don't have his name, but Africa Bambata is name dropped in the, in the show and cool Herc. So like the originator, a lot of people credit cool Herc as like the, the originator of hip hop. Um, yeah having like the first hip hop shows in the Bronx, uh, first hip hop parties. So anyway, but the show's not perfect. It, you know, some critics are tough on it and it's understandable, uh, because the, the first part of season one starts off slow. Um, but you know, some of the writing is admittedly less than perfect, but I think it really picks up, uh, picks up pace and then kind of gets its footing, um, a couple, a couple episodes in, um, it really hits its, hits its stride. Um, all the actors really play their characters with conviction, uh, despite, like I said, some of the, uh, the clumsy writing, you know, at times. Right. Um, but the rest of the cast is awesome. Jimmy Smith is in it. Okay. He plays, um, uh, he plays a politician and the uncle of Zeke's love interest, Ezekiel's love interest, um, who, whose name is Harrison, uh, Guardiola. She plays, um, Mylene who becomes a disco star. Okay. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It gets into like, this is like the peak of disco too. So it, there's a lot of cool, like, um, disco tracks and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. So disco wasn't all bad. I'm, I'm into it. Um, but, uh, so yeah, it's cool. Jaden Smith is also in the show. Okay. And yeah. he, he plays the most Jaden Smith character <laughs> that he could play. He plays like a, a little, he, he's, he, he ends up being in the group that they, that, that, that teenagers form. They form a hip hop group called the get down brothers. Okay. And he, so he's in that, but he's also a graffiti artist and he imagines, imagines himself as an animated sort of super enlightened alien. 
Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah. So, and, and occasionally, like, in the show, he narrates, like, little adventures of the Get Down Brothers. Huh. Um, and and in, in short, animated comic book like sequences so there's like animated sequences okay. in the show That's interesting yeah it's pretty cool um like the interludes are sometimes they can be jarring um and they don't always make sense but i but i love i love the little kind of animated interludes yeah yeah so netflix broke the season one up into two parts and this part two just just came out um so we're I'm going, going through them now i didn't finish it yet but that's my pick man all right i'm loving it it's a good it's a good show uh you know it's not perfect but if you're a hip hop fan, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not totally into hip hop. I mean, I'm not yeah. against it by any yeah, means. Yeah. I I like some of it, but yeah, it's, it sounds interesting. Awesome. Yeah. So, excellente. Um, that I guess we'll keep on moving. Head on in to the truth segment. All right. Well, I brought something today, and it might get a little controversial in here. That's okay with me. What I brought today for my truth segment is something that I just absolutely despise. This thing that I'm going to talk about has <clears> affected <throat> me in many negative ways. It is the bane of my existence. Now, before I get into what I'm talking about, I'd like to read an introduction to a particular website that addresses this issue. And uh, this intro says... We have found that two kinds of people exist in the world, those who accept the nonsensical and reinforced views of the masses, bowing attentively and unabashedly to its whims, without concern for the ultimate and inevitable ramifications of their mindless submission. The other kind is the thoughtful, intelligent, questioning, sentient being who is awakened and enlightened to the whirlwind of events and ideas about him or her while standing firm against the onslaught of skewed political ideologies and jaded personal agendas that pound against our doors of sensibility day in and day out, testing the integrity of the deadbolt we have named our freedom to think independently. You have come to the right place. This community is your sanctuary away from the thoughtless drones that surround you, encapsulated themselves unknowingly by their own incompetence. It is your shelter from the day-to-day monkey business that defines the Neanderthals who manage it. Take a deep breath, put yourself at ease, and relax comfortably. Surround yourself with a community of understanding individuals who know where you come from, where you stand, and what you believe. We know what things in our world are good and wholesome, honest and real, and what brings us happiness and satisfaction. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about, Jesse? No, man. Well, the website I'm talking about is called... I hate cilantro.com. <laughs> oh, I did not see that one coming. <laughs> and yeah, I do. I, I hate cilantro. I Bane of your existence. It. Yes. Yes. So sorry. Sorry oh, if people man. thought I was going some, somewhere completely different. With uh, don't let Natalie hear you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she better not listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is all in jest, of course. I mean, I yeah, hate yeah. cilantro, honestly, but whatever. <laughs> this um, is good, man. So anyway, my, my first experience with cilantro was mm-hmm. at a place called Baja Fresh. Nice. I was visiting my aunt in, in Maryland, and mm-hmm. she took me to this place. And I, I uh, ordered a taco, and I just could not finish the thing. It tasted horrible. I thought something uh, was wrong with it. Wow. Um, and I found out that it was cilantro, or, you know, Satan's parsley, as I like to call it. <laughs> and it gets stuck in your teeth, too. Yeah, yeah, that too. And Yeah, guess, sometimes it can taste soapy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, we're getting, it has we're a, getting has the a right way. track here. Yeah. Um, so I guess the reason I bring it up today is 
uh, recently I went to a mm-hmm. restaurant in the area mm-hmm. and I saw a salad that looked Ooh, which excellent. One? It had um, Panera. Okay. Nothing against Panera. Yeah. Um, but this salad looked awesome. It had Probably one of the better fast food places, you know, yeah, if you're going to yeah. go to one. Yeah. It had mandarin oranges in it, chicken, everything looked good. I was looking at the list of ingredients. I was like, yeah, everything in here looks good. Um, there was one that wasn't listed. Yeah, so what I, th- I thought I was going to have a really great salad and what I ended up with was a bowl of what tasted like a soapy dish rag that had been left in the sink <laughs> for a few days. And that's the reason I hate cilantro so much is because it tastes like mildew. Or rather, it tastes like the smell of mildew because um, yeah, I, I never actually tasted mildew. That would be disgusting. But... Um, just browsing around this website, I found a few other interesting things. Um, and this is what other people say that cilantro has, has tasted like. Uh, detergent, dish soap, motor oil. Oh, wow. Toxic chemicals, stamp glue. Oh, wow. Minty cheese. Nice. Metal. Uh, m- mildew again. <laughs> stink bugs. Oh, wow. Soap-flavored soap. Grass clipping seasoned with pine salt. Nice. And, and my favorite... Grapefruit sprinkled with kerosene and sprayed with mint to try to cover the taste. It is worse than a vomit burp. <laughs> oh, man. So. I, I love the creativity there. Yes. That's some good flavors right there, man. This, this is an interesting <laughs> website. You got to check yeah. it out. I, I hate cilantro.com. That's great. Yeah, um, I definitely have to check that out. We'll, yeah. we'll link to it. Yeah. They have haikus on there. Excellent. One, one that says, uh, horrifying herb. Any recipe it's in. It's all I can taste. Oh, that's, that's so cool. So, so true. That's like, so funny, dude. It doesn't matter what else is in there. If you throw cilantro in there, just, you don't, I yeah. don't taste anything else. I love when the internet, like, vindicates my life, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it so, to- when it totally affirms you. <laughs> yeah, so if any of those out there kind of feel the same way, you're not, you're definitely not alone. But there's a research area on there, and on the list of things people think it tastes like, some somebody put stink bugs, <laughs> and they've done research that says... Stink bugs release volatile chemicals when disturbed or squashed, including <laughs> two aldehydes. Trans-2-decinol, if I'm saying that right, is also found in cilantro, which may be why some people think the herb smells similar to stink bugs. That's so weird. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, just to finish up with this, yeah. I, think, I think a new law needs to be passed. I know we have enough already. We need some policy on this. We have enough laws. But seriously... <laughs> If there is cilantro in something, the restaurant needs to inform you. <laughs> there needs to be warnings. That's the difference. Tr- between, trigger warnings. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the difference between enjoying your meal and just like wanting to throw yourself out the window. Yeah. Throw yourself out the yeah. window off a building. I know. Something like that. So. Oh, man. That, th- dude, I don't know if I can compete with this one. This is some <laughs> heavy duty truth, man. Yeah. Yeah. You're laying that truth on me. Um, yeah. I mean, I hear you, man. I, I feel the same way about like mayonnaise. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I, maybe I should start a site like nomayo.com. Nomayo.com? <laughs> nomayo.me. Oh, wait, nomayo4.me. Ah. Because you can get the .me dom- yeah, domain. Yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have to read .me. Okay. Um, so, yeah, nomayo4.me. You should, do, you should do that for cilantro. No cilantro4.me. <laughs> no cilantro for me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, mayo, ugh. I mean, I don't even like foods that look like mayo. So, like, sour cream, no way. Really? Too, looks too much like mayo. Um, I mean, what else looks like mayo that I don't like? Oh. I won't even touch it. Ranch dressing, too much like mayo. Paint? White paint. You won't eat it? <laughs> won't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll paint with it. Okay. Occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it makes the bread, like, put it on sandwiches, makes your bread all soggy, like, on hoagies and stuff, like, forget about it. And you know, like, makes your bread all soggy and stuff, mm. like, you can't put it in the fridge. 
you know, it's done. Mail soak right through it. Anyway. Uh, one thing I wanted to add, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you and I were taking a, a long walk down a muddy road, yeah. uh, I saw some forlorn cilantro sitting <laughs> alongside the road. I would not pick it up and put it on the other side. I would probably just cover it with the mud that's on the road. So Me too. Yeah. Dude, so, that would be, the, that would be the, the best thing to do. Just leave it at that. be the noble thing to do. Yeah. The virtuous thing. But yeah, that's a good one, dude. I appreciate that. Um, um, yeah, I don't know if I can follow that, but I'll try. My truth segment today is a little conceptual. Um, so the truth segment in, in philosophy, well, it corresponds to in the trio of uh, heart, soul, and mind. This corresponds to the mind part. So right. the intellect, right? Um, and that's what, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about, uh, you know, stuff that is conceptual, stuff that's intellectual, potentially. Um, and that's what I'm talking about today. We're talking about epistemological approaches to quantum theory. That's what we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I'll try to keep up. (laughs) So I read an article recently in Nautilus magazine. I like this. This magazine. It's pretty cool. It's usually uh, kind of science-y kind of stuff. I read an article by, let's see who wrote this, James Owen Weatherall, and came out on April 24th. And the article's called, Is Quantum Theory About Reality or What We Know? And it gets into Hmm. uh, some pretty cool stuff. Um, he asks here, but does, quantum st- does the quantum state ultimately represent some objective aspect of reality, or is it a way of characterizing something about us? He's talking about humans here. Namely, something about what some person knows about reality. So this question stretches back to the earliest history of quantum theory, but it has recently become an active topic again, inspiring a slew of new theoretical results and even some experimental tests. So this is fascinating. I, I, I love reading about this sort of epistemological approach. Um, and because, you know, that's what physics, that's what physicists think they're doing. Physicists think they're investigating reality, right, when they do physics. And physicists, being physicists, investigate the physical world, right? And so physicists only see the physical world as being reality. Um, but when you get to the quantum level, obviously, things get a little weird because things stop being physical. They stop being substantial you know, and you know, yeah. concrete, right? Um, you, you begin to see weird stuff when you get real small. Oh, things yeah. things begin stop being. They stop being matter, right? Yeah, and, and they start being behaving a lot like well, you could say mental things. That's what um, idealists would want to say. This, things start looking like mental, uh, mm. or, or things like uh, you know things behaving as matter and as energy, right? Yeah. Particles. This writer, he, he, he poses a cool question, um, but it got me thinking of uh, Schrodinger, um, who well, was a physicist, I guess. When was he working? Erwin Schrodinger. But he had a famous uh, thought experiment that most people, well, not most people, but people who are into this kind of stuff would know. Okay. Um, we're reading a book right now. Yeah, he talks yeah. about a cat. <laughs> we're reading a book right now about this. Yeah. So this is what sparked the interest for me. Essentially, Erwin Schrodinger, he, let me see, when I don't have him up here, but he... When was he working? Yeah, so 1935, 1930s. Anyway, his, his thought experiment is called Schrodinger's Cat. It was a way for him to kind of point at a problem that he saw with the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics. And that interpretation, what it says essentially is that an object in a physical system can simultaneously exist in all possible configurations. But observing the system forces the system to collapse and forces the object into just one of those possible states. So, Schrodinger's thought experiment basically talks about um, there being a a cat. And let me run through it here. Uh, 
A cat, a flask of poison, and a radioactive source are placed in a sealed box. If an internal monitor, for example a Geiger counter, detects radioactivity, that is, a single atom decaying, the flask is shattered, releasing the poison, which kills the cat. Now, the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics implies that after a while, the cat is simultaneously alive and dead. How could that be? That's crazy. This is what Schrodinger is talking about. He's like, how could that be? That's impossible. He says, yet when one looks in the box, one sees that the cat is either alive or dead, not both alive and dead. This poses the question of when exactly quantum superposition ends and reality collapses into one possibility or the other. Now, back to this article, Weatherall is, is talking about here is, you know, maybe if we talk about quantum theory, not so much as um, if we think about it as sort of a epistemological, onto-epistemological sort of way of investigating or way of knowing things um, or understanding reality, um, it might, might help us better. So he, he, he proposes uh, an example here. So let me just read a, a portion here. He says, to see why the quantum state might represent what someone knows, consider another case where we use probabilities. Before your friend rolls a die, you guess what side will face up. If your friend rolls a standard six-sided die, you'll usually say there is about a 17% or one in six chance that you'll be right, whatever you guess. Here, the probability represents something about you, your state of knowledge about the die, right? Let's say your back is turned while she rolls the die so that she sees the result, a six, say, Mm. but not you. So as far as you are concerned, the outcome remains uncertain, even though she knows it. Okay, you following? Probabilities that represent a person's uncertainty, even though there is some fact of the matter, are called epistemic, right? And that's from the Greek word for knowledge. This means that you or your friend could assign very different probabilities without either of you being wrong. You say the probability of the die showing a 6 is 17%, whereas your friend, who has seen the outcome already, says that it is 100%. That is because each of you knows different things, and the probabilities are representations of your respective states of knowledge. The only incorrect assignments, in fact, would be the ones that said there was no chance at all that the die showed a 6 I think this is cool. Um, so Dan and I are reading. We're, we're in a book group um, called the Finer Things Club. Yeah, we get together and we drink tea and we talk about like meaningful things. Like, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> talk about meaningful things and like things that are important. We read like uh, spiritual books and like mm-hmm. philosophical and theological books. We're reading one now by a New Age spiritualist named Deepak Chopra. He's pretty famous out there. Big into consciousness studies. He's big in sort of New Age circles. But he's an MD, he's a doctor, um, and he wrote a book with a physicist. And essentially, in the book, he's making a uh, an argument for subjective idealism. For those who don't know what that is, it's basically the idea that fundamentally, at the sort of basic level of reality, what we see there is that reality is more mind-like than matter-like. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so famously, uh, George Berkeley, uh, Bishop Berkeley was a subjective idealist, and um, he's credited with the statement that goes, um, to be is to be perceived, okay? Right. So, and now this, this ties in with Schrodinger's cat, right? Chopra cites Schrodinger's cat in, in this book, okay? And I sort of took this epistemic approach when we read Schrodinger's using Schrodinger's cat to, to, to sort of argue for subjective idealism. Now, 
subjective idealism one way or the other. I'm not an idealist. Um, I sort of fall in the middle between material. The other side of the spectrum, of course, is materialism, right. you know, so scientific materialism or Western materialism. Um, I sort of, you know, I want to, I want to kind of glide in the middle there. I sort of have, um, pan experientialist or pan psychist, mm. uh, sensibilities. Yeah. You were talking about that last Yeah. Time. So, and, and we can talk about that at, at another time and Essentially, Chopra was using quantum theory to make a case for, for subjective idealism by citing the famous thought experiment about a dead cat, right? right. Um, he, he essentially states, okay, um, so approaching, approaching this problem from a panpsychist or pan-experientialist point of view, and, and just real briefly, panpsychism is the, the doctrine that all things are ensouled, okay? All the way down. So all things have a sort of subjective pole and a physical pole, just like how we would think of ourselves, right? We, we, we think of ourselves as having sort of exterior realities, right? Sort of physical bodies, but mm-hmm. also interior yeah. realities. Like we have an internal world, right. right? We have mental things that we associate with the mind, you know, things that we thoughts, feelings, emotions. Panpsychism is based, is very simply just the notion that that's not unique to, to just humans. That's everything, right? Uh, even the, the, the simplest organisms. Mm. Um, Whitehead talks about, he puts it this way, physics is the study of small organisms. Biology is the study of slightly bigger organisms. So that's panpsychism in a nutshell. But if we approach this from from that sort of perspective, I speculated that if we understand that physics, like biology, right, is the study of, you know, living organisms um, who have various degrees of subjectivity like humans, right, then yes, those organisms which constitute the box are also constantly prehending, feeling, or taking account of things in their environment, right? So if this cat is in a box, right, like Schrodinger postulates, that box is made of things, yeah, right? So there are living things in there, you know, that, that are perceiving, you know, that are, that are prehending, as Whitehead talks about, right. or feeling, or taking account of their environment, interacting with their environment. So, and they certainly do participate in creating reality, Hmm. Right. That, that, that's, that was Berkeley's thing to be used to be perceived. Right. So these things are also perceiving. So like the dice example mentioned in the passages above, the organisms that make up the box, which again are also perceiving, help to end the quantum superposition, collapsing it, and thus already have knowledge of the cat's status inside the box, even if the outside observers are left with epistemic uncertainty. I, I think it's reasonable to speculate that both the observers outside the box and the observers inside the box... Um, you know, the simpler, the simpler organisms constituting the box can assign different probabilities without being wrong. So anyway, that's, that's, that's what I got. So that's my truth segment. Um, it's a, it's a little conceptual, um, you know, and welcome. I mean, for those who are listening and have some feedback, happy to, you know, open discussion. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I just, I, I read the article. I'll post the, I'll post a link to the article. It's fascinating. I, I like this kind of stuff. You know, I, I get lost with a lot of the physics stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I enjoy thinking through this stuff. You yeah. know, it's like mental sort of yeah, challenges, I, puzzles. I have a theory about Schrodinger's cat about <laughs> yeah. being dead and alive at the same yeah. time. Zombie cat. Uh, yeah, man. You know? I mean, <laughs> what else could it be? Could have been. Let's get into goodness, man. Okay. Goodness. You want me to go first? Yeah, let's change it up a bit. Okay. Um... Mine is, so this is, yeah, the goodness section. This is the uh, portion of the show that it could be, well, in philosophy, we would be talking about ethics. In religion, we'd be talking about morality. So we're bringing stuff that we think are, that we think is good in the world, 
or, you know, hey, not so good. Hmm. I'm open to that. Bring some stuff that's not so good. Today I got make something make good. Make people though. aware of it. Yeah, I got something good though today. Um, and it is from the Good News Network. And it's an article with the headline that reads, Girls Show Adults How It's Done to Stop Using Styrofoam School-Wide. Mm. Okay? So two nine-year-old girls weren't waiting around for adults to do something about their school's waste problem, so they took matters into their own hands. So Layla and Katie, um, they're, not, they're uh, third graders, a charter school, I guess, here in South Carolina. But during one of their lessons, they learned that um, they learned about the negative effects of styrofoam on the environment, um, like from how long it takes to biodegrade to how much it contributes to landfills. And they were absolutely mortified by the cafeteria uh, to learn that their cafeteria still used styrofoam trays instead of <gasps> plastic. And yes. the kids wondered if they, yeah, the kids wondered if the school could simply buy a dishwasher and re- some reusable dinnerware. So this is this is great, man. These these little nine year olds. The, yeah. the girl, uh, the girl spoke. Yeah, they spoke to the head uh, chef about their dilemma, and the chef contacted the school district for a quote on the dishwasher. I guess th- they came back with a quote. The price of the plastic trays and the dishwashing machine was ten thousand, ten grand. But they were unfazed. The, the, the two little girls, and and they <laughs> they got they got to work, man. It was pretty cool. Uh, the, you know, they had some assistance from their mom, from Lila's mom. I guess they started a GoFundMe campaign, and they've already raised fifteen hundred bucks. So I'm going to link to the GoFundMe campaign, but I think that's cool, man. These 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 two girls yeah. just going out and doing it, man. Little activists. Yeah, it's good for them. Yeah, so that made me happy to read this article. Um, I mean, just yeah, styrofoam. Come on. Yeah. I don't know about you, but like, geez, like, like you go to the store and yeah. everything is in like packages. You know, a lot of it. Oh, granted, know. a lot of it is like is biodegradable, like paper packaging yeah. and that kind of thing. But yeah, and you can't do anything with it. You have to throw it away. Like yeah. I get, ugh, yeah, I get, I get like these you meds. Eat it. Yeah. I get meds in the mail medicine yeah. and it comes in like a styrofoam, like cooler. Mm. Ugh, I feel terrible. Yeah. But trying to know. find a way to use it as an art medium. Who knows? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Something. But yeah, so that's, that's my, that's my goodness for the day. All um, right. made me happy to read that. These two little girls are doing something kicking butt. What you got? Yep. All right. Well, my goodness today is about a man named Ethan Nicole. He's an artist from Portland, Oregon. He is known mostly for uh, co-creating the webcomic Axe Cop with his younger brother, Malachi. They actually started this. They were uh, playing together. And cool. there's, there's quite an age difference between the two. Uh, Ethan is, was 29. His little brother, Malachi, was only five at the time. And they had come up with this character named Axe Cop. Mm-hmm. And they would play together and they would, you know, have them go on these adventures. Well, Mm -hmm. Ethan being um, an artist, you know, doing web comics, came up with the idea that, you know, he he would draw the pictures and he would allow his five-year-old brother to um, come up with the stories. Whoa, man. And so what you end up with is... What's the web comic again? It's axcop.com. So yeah, he's really cool. And and it's just, it's hilarious. So anyway, it kind of goes from there. He's, He's come up with a lot of different stories He's actually collaborating with um, uh, Perry Grip at the moment, who's cool. known for doing really funny music videos on YouTube. Nice. He's actually bringing some audio into his web comics at the moment. But more about XCOP, um, they ended up doing an animated series, and I think uh, I could be wrong. It could be it was either on Fox or Cartoon Network. I can't mm-hmm. remember. But Nick Offerman actually did the oh uh, cool the voice uh, for XCOP. 
Yeah, this looks cool, dude. I'm looking yeah. at it now. Yeah. Uh, he also does another webcomic it... called Bearmageddon, which he you know, oh. has his own thing. Nice. And it's a bit more graphic. It's not as kid-friendly. Well, I don't know if Axe Cop is really kid-friendly. Yeah, I was going to ask it if is. it was. It is. Like, I, I would say you and Benny could probably look at cool, it together. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Bearmageddon is definitely more for the adults. Nice. Just, you know, it's very graphic. There's some language, but that's sure. not it. And he, he also did another side project, which was very kid-oriented, called the uh, Monster Rocket Story Club. Oh, wow. And um, sent in some of Chloe, my, my daughter's yeah. um, suggestions. Like, I asked her a few questions that he had about some characters, and Chloe gave me some answers, and he used some of that for the... Uh, the Monster oh, that's Story awesome. Club. And we um, we somewhat know each other. We've never met. Mm-hmm. We've never actually talked, but we're both involved in a community group on, on Facebook. Cool, dude. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. I, I'd, I'd actually love to get him on as a guest sometime. Excellent. Because, uh, when we figure out how to Skype people in, we can yeah. do that. Yeah, oh, totally. And most recently, he's he's written a few episodes for mm-hmm. the new um, VeggieTales in the House that's on oh, Netflix. Nice. So with with VeggieTales, I've always worked with some of my favorite voice actors, Rob Paulson, Tress McNeil, which, you know, they've been uh, big in the voice acting community cool. for, for the last 30 years or so. Awesome. That's just, it's it's really a lot of fun. You should check it out. AxeCop.com, BearMageddon.com. <laughs> I'm looking at BearMageddon right now, and there's there's yeah. a poster on here. How to use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu against a bear. <laughs> and there's all these... <laughs> Yeah. There's all these like wrestling moves yeah, <laughs> and the bears, thought, yeah. the bears just like stomping him. Oh yeah, basically. <laughs> stomping the person. Yeah. It's he great. has a ton of stuff like that. And most, <laughs> most of it just ends in, you know, the bear's going to kill you anyway. So <laughs> yep. why, why try? <laughs> yeah. This is cool. Good pick, man. Yeah. It remind, oh, reminds me of, uh, we're reading, uh, Be- Benny and I are reading a graphic novel right now called, uh, Hilo and it's by, uh, Judd someone. Judd. It's from Judd. Judd. <laughs> yeah. Judd. That guy Judd. But, I forget his last name, but he's the, but people will know him. He's famous. He's from, yeah. he was in the MTV's Rural World, season okay. three, San Francisco season. We, we just picked it up at the library. It, it's so good. Judd Winnick is, Judd is his Winnick. name. He's an illustrator and, and writer. He, he illustrates and writes the books. Okay. He's done three so far, but they're so good. It's about, it's about a kid that um, crashes to earth and mm. turns out, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it turns out he's like, he's not just a kid. He's like a robot robot kid okay. spoiler <laughs> but it's awesome man yeah it's a good it's they're they're good books um yeah we're having fun with them cool. but um so yeah so good picks man yeah um you know what else your pick reminded me of captain underpants movie oh yes yeah have you seen that yeah i i, I saw that it was coming out i know yeah, Betty, uh, Betty wants my, to go my see stepson it. gabe has some of the books maybe uh, we'll all go we've see them all man yeah. yeah we've read them all all right man um this is wxpi community radio out of williamsport i'm jesse and i'm with dan as always, you can find me a couple places. You can find me on Twitter at Jesse Turry, J E S S E T U R R I. Twitter, same thing. And I blog. I like to blog a lot. I still, I still do that. Um, I treat my blog as a, sort of just a whiteboard that I dump ideas on and write stuff. I like to write because um, it helps me. I, I sort of tend to be like a right brain person. And so writing helps me focus. It helps me sort through the thoughts that I have. I actually sort of realize what um, what thoughts I have. Yeah. It helps me focus tremendously. Um, so I like to blog that in, in that way. Um, so you can, my website is jessieturry.com. I also have some of my design work there, my portfolios there, whatever. Hit me up if you want something nice, some nice stuff you know, organized cool. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, Dan's um, yeah, what, what I you mean, got? You just find me on Facebook. Email you. Like I said before, you yep. can email me. Um, it would be nice to get an email set up for the show. We'll, we'll do um, that. Yeah, we're going to we'll, do a Facebook group. Once we get that too. together, we'll, yeah. we'll let you know. Awesome. Okay, until next time, man. 
see ya. Rock. <laughs>